So, Joe, Iowa laid an egg on Saturday. I saw a tweet suggesting that uh, uh, Kirk Ferentz's son, Brian Ferentz, an alleged offensive coordinator of Iowa, might end up being replaced with uh, Josh Gaddis, who should become available soon. That makes sense. Just kidding. The reason we're all – we all know why we're here. It's one of the most important games of the year. It's the most important game of this podcast, and we'll start next. <laughs> got a big game this week joe right the namesake of this podcast michigan state michigan chances are if you're listening uh you already know what's going on what's a paul bunyan paul bunyan uh was a folklore hero from uh i don't know (laughs) i thought it was something i had on my feet (laughs) um but yeah, uh, both teams are coming off big wins too, and both of their opponents looked good yesterday. Michigan coming off a uh, demolishing of a top ten team, Penn State, and um, I was I thought there was a chance that uh, Penn State was inflated, but I don't think a uh, number ten, number eighteen ranking is uh, that bad for them after seeing the way they just manhandled Minnesota, and then uh, uh, Wisconsin came out yeah. very nicely against Purdue, which I wasn't expecting. No, that that run game is good, and then Grandma. Mertz? Graham Mertz. Yeah, he didn't look like crappy. Yeah. So the <laughs> week before Wisconsin played Michigan State when they beat Northwestern 45-7, I didn't think much of it. Northwestern's a bad, bad team. So, yeah, that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable about Sparty's uh, double overtime win last week against Wisconsin. Yeah. I don't think Wisconsin's, like, bad, but, I mean. It's not the worst Wisconsin. No, team, so I could see. Far them. from the best. They could go 7-5. and five. What are they right now, 4-4? Four and four? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they could go six and six or five and seven, make me look stupid too. <laughs> but I don't think it's un- out. I don't think it's unheard of that uh, them in Minnesota could have a very competitive game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I I, I kind of dug into um, <laughs> the Michigan Penn State game a little bit more. Uh, I won't spend too much time on it, but I think it kind of sets up this game. Yeah. Uh, uh, Michigan looked very prepared on both sides of the ball. They knew. Uh, what to do when Penn State gambled on defense. Penn State stunning a lot of their front seven. Michigan would dink and dunk it. Uh, Michigan knew what to do when Penn State's defense was aggressive, and it knew what to do when Mich- uh, Penn State's uh, uh, defense was passive. On the flip side, Michigan D looked like they knew what Penn State was about to run. They were calling out the plays. Um, and I, like I said, I'm not going to spend too much time, but that's kind of like my quick recap. Yeah. Um, what's concerning about this upcoming game to me as a Michigan State fan is that Michigan is talking the way that they're talking like Mark D'Antonio right now in the way that they're preparing to stay. I know 
obviously like Michigan season ended up going a lot better, but they're still not thrilled about losing to Michigan state in 2021. There are a lot of players on this year's team that were on the team in 2020 when they were handed a shocking defeat at home. And I know that they're also not happy about that. Um, if Michigan jumps out to a big lead, I very much doubt that they make the same mistakes that they made in 2021 where they, I don't, I don't think they took their foot off the gas, but they weren't, as aggressive, what got Michigan in East Lansing was settling for field goals more than being able to punch it into the end zone. Mm-hmm. And that helps a 16-point lead disappear uh, halfway through the third quarter. I don't think that Michigan's going to let that happen again if they get up big. So a key, a big key for Michigan State to have a shot is to come out strong, um, you know, force a turnover, score on one of your first two drives, just anything that can instill even a little bit of doubt in Michigan would be helpful. Wow. You hit on a couple points I was going to hit on. And one of them I wasn't going to hit on until later. But real quick, first, the kind of turtling thing. We saw Michigan do that against Iowa this year. They're up 20 to nothing on the road. And not that it was ever in question, but it went from a three-possession game to a two-possession game. And it yeah. was like, yeah, if there's a miracle here. Um it's really funny that you brought up the D'Antonio thing because I wasn't going to bring this up till later when I make my prediction. But this game to me feels a bit like the 2014 Michigan versus Michigan State game, except I feel like the roles are reversed a yeah, bit. Uh, Michigan is seven and zero in 2014. Michigan State was seven and one. Michigan State is three and four. Michigan was three and four heading in that game. Uh, I believe State will have just as tough of a time running the ball versus Michigan as uh, Michigan did against State in 2014. D'Antonio came into that game with a record of 70 and 30, and was like, "Look what I built here." Yeah. Uh, Harbaugh is 68 and 24 at Michigan, and he has a chance to record his 69th uh, victory. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yes. <I> was... <laughs> Today we park our cars in the same garage, Joe. Um, and I'll save my prediction. Uh, Later, that was going to be kind of my prelude to that. Yeah, that's um, a good. That's a good lead up, though. Yeah, we yeah. just end it now. Just make our predictions. <laughs> college, <so>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the reasons uh, I like Michigan in this game is uh, uh, I really love Michigan's defensive line against State's offensive line. Yeah, I think State will struggle to run the ball. Michigan is fourth among Power Five teams in rushing defense. Uh, they're fourth in a yard per game and fourth in yards per carry. I also expect Thorne to be running for his life all day. Quick thing. The only way I think State can win this game is if Thorne just starts to play out of his mind. Yeah. Um, catches that shouldn't be made are made. Throws uh, made under pressure are made really well. That's that's one of State's, I think, uh, big things if they want a yeah. chance in this game. Michigan State's wide receivers, I think, do have an advantage over Michigan's uh, corners and safeties. That's, I do not believe that. I, I do. Uh, when when 50-50 balls are thrown to Jaden Reed and Keon Coleman, uh, I believe that they can hang with the best of secondary players. I think Reed. Will- I, it's, I think it's just a matter of the play calling and uh, if Thorne will have enough time to get it to them. Um, both Green and um, Turner uh, have been allowing less than forty percent uh, completion rates for balls thrown their way. I think Reed will get his, but I don't think that will be enough. I don't expect the passing game to be consistent on state side. I think U of M has one of the best secondaries in the country. One of my big concerns was the loss of Daxton Hill. Sanders still somehow has graded out better. And even if I don't think he's a better player, he's definitely filled in nicely. I expected that to be a weak spot for Michigan. 
Uh, I don't think anymore it will be. Um, I forget the name. Oh, Rod Moore. Rod Moore is also – he's filled in for Brad Hawkins. I did not expect that. I also think this is the second year in this defense. I think they look even better than last year, which was a really good defense. Um, I would be shocked. Like, I'm not saying – I think they'll be throwing the ball a lot because I think they'll be coming from behind. I could see garbage time points or yards. Uh, The only way I think uh, State really wins that way is if Michigan's in position and somehow catches are made anyway. Um, I also Uh, think they'll be able to load back the secondary. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a seven guys back there, like Will Johnson's coming in the game because, like, it wouldn't make sense for State to run the ball because they're playing from behind and they haven't been able to do it consistently. I don't want them to run the ball anyways, but I I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree because I believe Michigan State's got the height and uh, the size on on the outside with Reed and Coleman. And honestly, if they ever decide to use them, uh, Malik Carr and Daniel Barker as well. Uh, but you mentioned that kind of like protect package that Michigan might run. That would open up some underneath routes for guys like Trey Mosley or Montori Foster or even uh, Berger or Collins coming out of the backfield. But again, that's if Thorne has time and if uh, Jay Johnson doesn't have his head in his ass for the whole game. I could see some screens and tight ends getting some yards. I actually wrote that down. Um, I do think as the season's gone on, Michigan's running, uh, linebackers have improved. And Joel, and Junior Colson's really, been yeah. do, doing really well. But it's some of the other guys. Um, some guys that I don't necessarily consider linebackers, but they're listed there. It's Jalen Harrell and Mike Morris, who have played well. But they line up up front so often, I kind of consider them more defense alignment. Yeah. I think even Ojabo was technically listed as a linebacker, but he played. And he mostly, really played off the edge. Yeah. yeah. Um, I could see that. Uh, I think it's also really hard to win that way if you don't, if you're not hitting deep threats or not running the ball. Yeah. Um, I also think if State's going to line up and pass all the time, that's just playing into Michigan's uh, uh, rush plan. Like, right. You, Peyton Thorne might not in, finish the game if that's the. That might not be the worst thing. Uh, <laughs> that would be a key too. Utilize Peyton Thorne's athleticism because he's he's not like Brian Hoyer or Kirk Cousins back there. He, granted, he's not like Denard Robinson either, but he's he's mobile and athletic enough where he can make plays with his feet, and he is some that is something you have to account for as a defense. The question is, again, like does Michigan State use that at all? He doesn't. At this time last year in 2021, I believe he had three rushing touchdowns. Maybe it was four. Uh, to this day, uh, in the 2022 season, he has zero rushing touchdowns. That's shocking to me. Um, I do think – I don't think it's a high percentage way to win the game, but I do think one of the ways Michigan State could upset is if they throw it 50 times, Peyton Thorne completes 30 of those, and it just is enough to get them – Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's only nine rushing attempts. Yeah. Uh, but so yeah. right now we're, we're kind of focusing on, like, when State has the ball, and then we'll get into uh, when Michigan has the ball later. Um, yeah, what I don't want to see uh, – and I'm obviously like exaggerating when I say uh, that I don't want to see them run the ball at all. But what I really don't want to see is them try to force the inside run. It seemed like uh, against Wisconsin and against Minnesota as well, constantly on the early downs, first and second down, just really forcing it between the guard and the center. And that's a big strength of Michigan's defense, I think. Is Mason Graham, Chris Jenkins. Exactly. Uh, you would know their defensive ends better than I would. But Michigan State's best offensive linemen are their tackles. Uh, usually it's Spencer Brown or uh, Gino Vandemark on the right tackle or Garrett, uh, Jarrett Horst on the left tackle. Uh, if, if 
one of those guys can win their matchups every now and then, and Berger or Collins or even Broussard could bounce one to the outside and just pick up six, seven yards on, say, like second and eight. You know, that's that's a big deal. Uh, Iwana plays out there a lot. He's an Alabama transfer. Um, and then the guys are technically listed as outside linebackers. Uh, right. Harold and Mike Morris. Right. Where, uh, where does Brady McGregor play? Uh, I think he moves around a bit. I think he's probably listed as an end. Okay. Um, they cycle through a lot. Even Rayshon Benny's seen a little bit of snaps, but it really feels like they're he'll get his playing time next year. Yeah. Um, Michigan loves to play eight to ten guys. <laughs> That's been a staple since Harbaugh got here. And I do think, um, while you don't have um blue chippers like uh, Hutchinson and Ajabo this year, uh, it was just them carrying everything last year. And yeah. this year, it's kind of more by committee. And they, I, I, well, what really makes me happy. Uh, feel confident in that group is they've improved as the years gone on. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a game where Michigan State's obviously going to have to limit turnovers, and you say that about every game, but especially a game when you're overmatched and you have to play your best game. You have to really script your plays very well in the first half. Um, that honestly, like, actually, I, can, I think that could be a big thing. Your first um, – most teams, their first uh, time on offense – all the plays are scripted. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that I, that could be a big thing. If you score uh, on your first offensive uh, – because uh, in, in 2019, even though it didn't go State's way at all, didn't they score early? They scored on their second – they scored – it was either right at the end of the first quarter or right at the start of the second. I remember they, they scored They scored early. first in the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is shocking when you look at that final score. And then I turned it off. <laughs> I, I knew that was going to be it for that day. Um yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Michigan State pull out all the stops with trick plays. Saw it a little bit against Wisconsin. Jaden Reed threw a touchdown pass to Coleman in the first overtime. Obviously, 2021, they weren't afraid to use the flea flicker. Shouldn't use that this year because the flea flicker only works when uh, the run game is hitting, which mm. is not right now. But uh, one thing I'll give Jay Johnson and Mel Tucker credit for, like I'll, I've not been shy about criticizing them, especially this year. Um they do know how to game plan for the Michigan game, so I'm a little excited to see what they might bring out. I really had no faith that Rocky Lombardi – and I, I know Michigan's defense ended up not being that great in 2020, but uh, nobody was nobody awful. was expecting Rocky Lombardi to throw for 300 yards. Like, I'm excited to see how they game plan for this one because it seems like while they might struggle against a lot of opponents, they do know how to game plan for Michigan's defense. So – I'm a little excited to see what they might pull out, but again, they need to they need to be at their best. They need to limit mistakes, not just turnovers, but penalties, false starts, holdings, uh, legal man downfield. You know, like you can't have momentum taken away from you after like a big play by a holding call or you know one of your linemen running downfield on a passing play. You know, Michigan's defense has also been a lot better this year about playing teams that are up tempo. Uh, Penn State definitely tried it. Yeah, Other teams have that tried was really it. where where Michigan State got them good in 2021. And that's the difference between year one and year two a lot of times <laughs> with with a new scheme. And uh, I mean, 
year uh 2020 mel tucker's first year he was playing he uh they were scheming up against uh down brown who was pretty Dr. much Blitz. gone yeah. people couldn't believe he was still around here he's doing a great job in arizona by the way uh <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even know he was still coaching <laughs> if you want to see which pac-12 teams have put up 56 this year against another pac-12 team it's usually arizona like i i joked about uh uh, Miami's offensive coordinator, Josh Gass. Sorry, I can't think of his name for a second. Um, Big G. I, I actually think he could turn that around. I don't think Don Brown's done. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Don Brown. Like, it's so easy to figure out Don Brown's defense. It's just that they feast upon teams with lesser talent than they have. That's why, like, Michigan's defense is constantly under Don Brown where – you know, you look at the rankings, they're like top five, top ten rankings. It's I will like, to be fair, in 2016 and 17, they did play well. Oh, yeah. But those, he, those were but good I, defense. But I think I'm pretty sure he still has that 2016 uh <laughs> playbook. Right. Any, exactly. But we spent more time on than we needed to. <laughs> um but uh you're talking about Michigan State's offense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I'm, I'm sorry, I, I thought I cut I you off. I believe I've hit on everything I want to. Um, like I said, basically the keys are Take if if you have size advantages or one mismatch, maybe it's not Jaden Reed against one guy, or maybe it's Keon Coleman against somebody, or you know your big tight ends that are bound to be in the NFL, but you want to stick with Tyler Hunt for some reason, like <laughs> you know just find something that works. Like nobody saw like 2020, they just kept going to Ricky White, they just couldn't stop Ricky White. 2021, just keep going to Kenneth Walker, they couldn't stop Kenneth Walker, and eventually the rest of the offense came along. When like after Thorne had thrown two picks on each of the first two drives or the first two drives, eventually the offense came along. Which they, is weird because he he had a good game that day. He did, yeah. Well, you don't usually say that about a guy who threw two picks, right? Two picks and no touchdowns, but I think he played solid last year. Mm-hmm. But you know, is, is somebody going to step up and be that guy that some that Michigan needs to answer for? I don't see it personally, but I also didn't see it in twenty twenty. Uh, but no, my confidence level is not super high. <laughs> Walker uh, last year was clearly the leader. Oh, and, yeah. And made Peyton Thorne's job easier. Can Peyton Thorne or someone else be Kenneth Walker this year? It, and not as in his position group or do what he did, but more like lead and can take control yeah. of the game. I think if it's going to be somebody, it's going to be Jaden Reed because you can utilize him in running, passing, uh, a I guess he can pass the ball now too. Um, <laughs> so he, he scored touched and like special teams too. Uh, Jaden Reed in his time at state has scored receiving touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, punt return touchdowns and passing touchdowns. The only player I can think of who scored touchdowns in more ways was Keyshawn Martin, who also had a kickoff return touchdown uh, as well as those other types. So he's versatile. I think if it's going to be somebody, it's going to be Jaden Reed. All right. Um, but well, that's, that's really all I could think of for uh, the Michigan State's offense versus Michigan's defense. Okay, we can flip the field now. Um, talk about U of M's running backs and tight ends for State's linebackers. Yeah. Uh, Blake Corum is really good at reading defenses. Uh, the coaches and the other players talk about that. Donovan Edwards is like the locker room leader. He's very vocal. Uh, these guys should have really big days. Um, I do like state's defensive tackles. I know I'm mostly supposed to talk about their linebackers, but I do think they <laughs> also talk about running game. Mm-hmm. It factors in. I don't think their edge guys or linebackers <laughs> can contain the run game. I do think the defensive tackles have enough like potential there that they could. Yeah. Uh, I would expect either Quorum or Edwards to run for a hundred and they both might. 
if uh, Michigan runs for over 200 yards in the game, it should be over. They should win. Yeah. Uh, last year, Michigan only rushed for 146. So even with the 406 through the air, um, it took them off their game plan and really made it hard for them to close out the game. Uh, Michigan likes to dictate the game through the ground. So even if Michigan is having a big game through the air, they have to be hitting on both, I think, yeah. to really and control the game. Talking about state's linebackers, I think it, it matters a lot where Jacoby Winman is being lined up. Uh, weeks two through six, he was mostly lined up at defensive end out of necessity, and you saw mostly Cal Halliday and Ben Van Summeren at the linebacker spot. Uh, and also Aaron Brule was not healthy. And then you look at the game against Wisconsin uh, week seven. Uh, Michigan State had a little bit more health on their defensive line, so they were able to shift Winman back to linebacker. Aaron Brule was also back, so you saw – more rotation and more diversity in what their linebackers could do because Cal Halliday's sweet, but he's not a coverage guy. He is strictly a run guy. Same goes for Ben, Z- ben Van Summeren, except he's not as sweet as Cal Halliday. <laughs> uh, those are strictly run defense linebackers, and they're good at stopping the run, but it's very easy to game plan against them. If, if Brule's healthy and playing again and Winman is lining up at linebacker so you can mix it up, you can have – Halliday and Brule, Vent Summerin and uh, Winman, you know, mix it up a little bit. That adds for a little bit of uh, diversity and just more athleticism on the field for Michigan State. Um, and I, I think that helps in the passing game more than the rushing game, but I, I think that makes a difference. Um, I, I, I'm guessing Michigan State won't have their starting DNs, Chris Bogle or Jeff Petrowski. Uh, I'm not sure it would have made a huge difference if they were to play either way, but I, I think that is going to be hard to overcome for Michigan State, even with as good as their D tackles and some of their linebackers have played at times. I think Michigan State uh, getting Slade back helps how they can play run defense, but I still don't think much of the secondary as a whole. Yeah, um, We saw last year that while U of M can be conservative on offense, if they think they have um, – advantage in a position group they will air out i mean they got 406 yards against michigan state through the air yeah i expect ronnie bell and luke shoemaker to have big games uh, maybe andrew anthony can even repeat his success from the 2021 game has he done much since i know he scored in the playoff game against georgia he gets a few touches here and there after you go ronnie bell then it's like kind of there's like cornelius johnson Leo, um, uh, there's someone i'm forgetting right now henning uh, aj good. henning yep um Roman Wilson. Roman he's probably Wilson. number he's a big two. One. Yeah. He's probably number two. And then Shoemaker might even be number two at tight end. And then, you know, get less and less. That's one of the reasons Sanders still made the switch is because they had so much depth in that room and they ended up being really smart. Yeah. Um, I don't think state secondary is very good, but I especially don't think they have much depth. So yeah. when they line up four or five guys out there, I think that could be like a big advantage, even if they're pretty much uh broadcasting that's probably going to be a pass play yeah um when michigan goes a forward wide set that would get someone like andrew anthony um some touches uh i expect uh, mccarthy to be methodical take his time not take too many chances i expect just a few um yeah big, big so, hail marys or whatever just to keep them honest but i don't think this is a game where michigan needs to rely on big plays happening no no i i think he's just gonna I think he's going to let the run game do its thing. And if that's not clicking for whatever reason, then you might see that. I also think um, 
if that happens, you might see McCarthy take off a few times too. Yeah. Um, he has that ability, but he doesn't have to win this game. Um, that's the, on the running backs and the offensive line and even the defense. I see a lot of screens, dink and dunks, and like I said, just to keep State honest with a few deep balls. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a good uh, assessment by you. Um, I like yeah, Michigan's I, offensive line versus State's defensive line too. Yeah, yeah. If if State had their defensive ends healthy, I think that might be a push, but Michigan's offensive line has just become so elite uh, as the season has progressed. Like that's an NFL offensive line. Yeah. They were top five last year and people keep saying they're even better this year. Yeah. Um, They have more experience another year together. They got a really nice transfer. They lost Trente Jones and, um, Oh God, I forgot his name. The guy that came in is doing just as good of a job, but they did have, they knew they had six guys yeah. come in. They knew if they didn't have a transfer, they would probably move a guard to center because they just have that many guys. Um, so hot take Michigan state having Xavier Henderson back makes them a better secondary. I know, I know that's controversial, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't make them a good secondary. No. What it does do is it, it elevates the basement of them. Like I don't expect them if they're, and Jaden Mangum probably won't be playing, but you know, with Tatum getting more experience, uh, Henderson being on the field makes Gross better. I don't know if Kendall Brooks will be healthy, but that's another guy you could throw in there. Uh, just the communication's a little bit better. I think against Wisconsin, we saw Amir Speed play better, saw Charles Brantley play better than they had been playing since Henderson went down. So as long as those guys are healthy, I don't expect Michigan State to get torn up by teams like Washington the way they did. You know, Washington was up 22 nothing before anybody blinked. Yeah. And a large part of that was because of the success Michael Penix was having against Michigan State's secondary. If if Henderson and Gross are healthy and, you know, Tatum's getting used to playing, <clears throat> and, like, I, I think those three safeties kind of elevate the, the level of play by the corners a good amount, um, then it, it – they they shouldn't get torn up, but still easily easily taken advantage of. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if, if, I think Michigan State needs to dial up a lot of blitzes. You know, when Michigan is, if Michigan gets into like clear passing downs, I think you got to blitz. I think that's something we're going way back. But you go back to 2019. We mentioned that Michigan State scored first to go up seven nothing. I think Michigan scored then to either make it seven seven or seven three. But then Michigan got the ball back, and it was like third and long from their own 10-ish. Like, they were deep in their own territory. And um, Trestle, I'm forgetting his first name, the defensive coordinator at the time for Michigan State, rushes. Mike Trestle? Mike Trestle, thank you. Only rushes three. Michigan picks up the first down. They end up scoring on that drive. That's a big turning point when, like, Michigan State was hanging around in a game that they really shouldn't have won at all, but – once that happened, then it was like that was a big part of the floodgates opening up. Mm-hmm. And I think Michigan also has to. If uh, Michigan State blitzes, they either need to pick it up or they need to check down. Yeah. Even if it's uh, third and nine, if you're passing to a guy three yards from the offensive line, yards after catch have been really big this year. And uh, Penn State knew screens and dinks were coming. And there was times they were successful, but there was also times that uh, J.J. would – Jump it off to Edwards, and next he in fifteen yards later, he's finally going down. Yeah, like uh, missed tackles have been huge for Michigan's playmakers, not just their wide receivers, but you look at Corum. He's turned a lot of runs that should have been three to four yards into thirty plus yards. 
Donovan Edwards broke the game open against Penn State mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah. And wrapping Penn up, State's front seven's pretty damn good. Not arm tackling. That's going to be key for Michigan State. However, that's also been a problem for them this year. Um, do we want to do our final thoughts on the other side? That's what I was going to suggest. Uh, I think that wraps up our preview of uh, offense versus defense. Special teams, uh, Michigan State can't really rely on their kicker. I think Michigan can. They, I think they have two of the best kickers in the country. Michigan does? Yeah, yeah, both okay. punter and kicker. I mean. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I got it. I yeah, yeah. yeah, I didn't mean to uh, go kickers. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Bryce Berenger is also one of the best punters in the country. Field position could possibly play a big key in Michigan State hanging around. And, uh, you know, if, if you're going to win a game like this, you got to hang around for a while. So, yeah, we'll get into our uh, final summaries, final thoughts, and predictions on the other side. Sounds good. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Paul Bunyan Podcast. Just wanted to take a quick moment between these segments to remind you that the Paul Bunyan Podcast is sponsored by Farbar. Make sure to visit far-ebar.com to browse new products that include shirts, jackets, pants, handbags, uh, even things made with fabrics from Italy. If you go to his website, and that website again is far-ebar.com and click on the 2022 fall lookbook, you'll be able to get a look at all of the new styles that have just come out in the last few months. Once again, that's far-ebar.com. Click on the 2022 fall lookbook. If you're wanting to support small businesses and uh, people who do everything themselves, Farbar is the definition of an entrepreneur and a hard worker, and he makes all the clothes by hand. Like I said, with fabric from Italy, he's based in Los Angeles, but comes from here in Michigan, big supporter of the show. So make sure you guys go to that website and check him out and uh, support him as well. And uh, we'll be talking about Michigan football on the very next segment. All right, so we are nearing game day. We've given you our thoughts on Michigan's offense versus Michigan State's defense and Michigan State's defense versus Michigan's offense. We even threw a little bit of special teams talk in there just just for the hell of it. I think Moody and uh, and Robbins are two of the best uh, punter. Uh, One of the best uh, kicker-punter yeah, combos. Yeah, kicker combo. Yeah. yeah. And actually, uh, both returning and coverage this year has been one of the best years, I think, under Harbaugh. There's been a couple years here and there where it's a little suspect. Uh, so, I mean, that that's really helped Michigan, too. You have consistent special teams. It really helps uh, alleviate if you make any kind of mistake on offense or defense, too. It does. Yeah, field position plays such a big part. And, um, yeah, Brad Robbins was, what, 5-for-5 five five in the game last year? Michigan finished with 33. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 4-for-4. 4-for-4, four four. Four yeah. One of the few games uh, where uh, Michigan's uh, red zone percentage was not great either. Yeah. So, uh, moment of truth, Mike, let's hear your uh, final – let's hear your thoughts and uh, maybe get a prediction out of you if you don't mind. I told you what game it reminds me of, and I kind of expect a similar score. Uh, I just feel like Michigan by 18 kind of feels right. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't a rivalry game, I might even up it. But Michigan State usually just at least gives Michigan a, a half of football where it's kind of tight. 38 uh, 7 or 35-17, 38-21, something like that, 17-18 points, I feel like. A, a decisive win. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
State might hang around. Um, I just think overall, um, Michigan, it, they're a hard team to upset this year, I think. And I know some games, they kind of had teams hang around too long. Indiana, Maryland, people have criticized them. But I never really felt like they had a chance to lose either of those games. And one of them was kind of under weird circumstances against Indiana. Um, were in the second half, Michigan just dominated and Indiana didn't even score. Yeah. <laughs> and they end up covering the spread too. <laughs> um, uh, and then Maryland too, it just felt like kind of a weird game. And I don't think Maryland's that bad of a team either. So it's not like it was like Rutgers or something where Michigan just looked awful. I think when you have good special teams, when you can run the ball and you have a really good defense, it's hard to lose. And uh, especially hard to lose against teams that are worse than you. And actually on, at, at Michigan, Harbaugh hasn't lost to many teams that uh, are bad. Right. The the big thing with him is he doesn't beat the good teams enough. Right. That was, it, that's the big criticism. Yeah, and that's an underrated thing in college football when you can win a majority of the games you're supposed to win. Uh, there was uh, really, a debate, really all college sports. There was a debate. Uh, uh, Michigan and Penn State fans were talking about who's had the better tenure, Franklin or Harbaugh. One thing that really hurts Franklin a bit is he's had more upsets. Oh, yeah. Um, that's why they didn't make the playoff in 16. They had that early season loss to Pittsburgh. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't even a good Pittsburgh team. No, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, but did Kenny Pickett play in that game? <laughs> let let might, me call, let me call Nard dog to find out if he did. He might play against my dolphins tonight. We're, we're recording this on Sunday. Um, yeah, look, uh, 2020, I've, Picked Michigan to win very easily, very handily. I think they were favored by 21, and I picked Michigan to cover that. Uh, if we had recorded last year in 2021, I probably would have picked State, but I would have been pretty 50-50. Like, that would have been my fanness showing. Same, actually. Yeah. I would have I picked mean, Michigan. I mean, that was, that was such a good lead-up to um, – <clears throat> people always ask me, like, it, it does feel good when Michigan State beats an undefeated Michigan team. So, sometimes when – when the game's coming near and uh, Michigan's undefeated, people tend to ask me, like, are you cheering against Michigan or do you want Michigan State to face an undefeated team? And the answer to that is I'm always cheering against Michigan. Like, don't get me wrong. There's not a day in my life I've ever cheered for Michigan football. Um, but, yeah, last year it was kind of different where it was like, you know what, I don't mind Michigan uh, pulling out this win at Nebraska or – uh, showing Wisconsin who's boss because this is going to set up <laughs> as long as Michigan State also takes care of their business, like it's going to set up for a great game on the 30th. Uh, Michigan State's not undefeated. They have very much uh, not been able to meet my expectations. Uh, at best, I thought they were going to be six and one heading into this game with a loss to Ohio State. Even at worst, like I could have seen three and four coming. I couldn't have seen it coming with like. Uh, what was it, an 11-point or 14-point loss to Washington, a almost 30-point loss to Minnesota. I can take losses. I can't take losses where you don't show up for the game. What um, was the score of the Minnesota game? 34-7. Oh, okay. Um, they've, they, uh, <laughs> at times, they've looked really bad this year. I expected, yeah. Oh, and Michigan State. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that was that, that stretch that. against, was it Maryland and Minnesota? They looked really bad. I guess Maryland, like out of their four-game losing streak, the Maryland game was probably the one where they played their best. Uh, like the, I, w- I was pretty surprised they held Maryland to 27 points and uh, only lost by 14. 
Yeah, if Penix didn't get hurt, that Washington game kind of got really ugly too. Yeah, they were making. I mean, it, it was really ugly. Yeah, <laughs> but it, <laughs> let's, let's make no bones about it. But, right? but, but in the fourth quarter, State was like, if we if State we was, if we do everything right, there's State, a chance. Yeah, State was a play away from things kind of getting interesting. And yeah, they didn't make that play. Yeah. Um. Yeah. One thing I didn't bring up was uh, I think Derek Harmon has played really well at the defensive tackle position. Uh, I always mention Slade and. Barrow and uh, Deshaun Mallory, but Harmon, he's either a true sophomore or a redshirt freshman. I don't remember how much he played last year, but he's been performing very well. He's had sacks in each of the last two games against pretty good offensive lines. Uh, So I just forgot to throw that in there on the last segment. Uh, Historically, if Michigan State wins seven games or fewer, they don't beat Michigan. Uh, Michigan hasn't beaten a state team that won eight games or more since 2003, John L. Smith's first year. There, there's a stat for you, uh, and I don't think this Michigan State team wins more than seven games. Um, I, I feel pretty comfortable saying Michigan wins by at least two possessions. Anywhere, I'd say anywhere between a ten to twenty point win for Michigan. I don't have a specific score in mind, but um, I think Michigan wins depending on what the spread is. Like if, if they're, I've heard twenty three floated as a line i don't know if that's true i saw 18 okay 18 sounds like if it's 18 i could see michigan covering uh if it's like if it's over 21 i I think michigan state can be within three touchdowns of this michigan team (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's still early yeah um so there's not like a lot out there i'll say uh oh it's moved two points since i last saw it i'll say michigan wins uh 34 14 you like the 49 and 24 <laughs> prediction that includes like out of conference yeah. games. So <laughs> uh, it's not weighted. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I like my 18, especially if it's getting moved up. I also think it probably would have been closer to 22, 23, 24 if uh, Michigan state hadn't like shown life against Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I think uh, Peyton Thorne has to throw 300 yards to even make it interesting, and maybe like 400 to win. Yeah. Um, I just think it would take Michigan State playing their best game and Michigan not having a good day. It's, I think I covered this in past episodes where I thought if Michigan State had their best game and Ohio State had their worst game, Ohio State still wins. Um, this is a game where just because a lot of these players – have faced each other the last two years and Michigan state has come out on top. I don't think it would take like Michigan, a combination of state's absolute best and Michigan's absolute worst for Michigan state to win. But Michigan state needs to play a hell of a lot better than they've played. Like we talk about that Wisconsin game, like Michigan state was, uh, you know, you said, you said they showed life. They still had a lot of opportunities to lose that game. It was kind of a little bit of an ugly game. Yeah. It was fun to be at though. Oh yeah. I forgot that you were there. I was. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I I really like. I think Michigan kind of needs this game. It would make Harbaugh four and four against State. Um, it would make him five hundred or better against every Big Ten opponent except for Ohio State. Um, it's also kind of just like I, I heard Joe Klatt talking about it. it kind of like closes the narrative too. Yeah, you get that win against Mel Tucker. Um, even though I think Michigan should be better in the last since Harbaugh got here against Michigan State, it would it would keep them even. And, yeah. and when you're doing better against other opponents overall during your tenure, I think that helps too. And I, I really think 
It's either Michigan State or Illinois. Those are the only teams I could see possibly beating yeah. Michigan before the Ohio State game. And um, I think Michigan needs this game more than Michigan State. And I know you might say, like, well, Michigan State needs to get bowl eligible. That's very true. But in college football, just because you're very good two years in a row, like, there's no guarantees your team is going to be a playoff contender in the future. Ask LSU about that. Ask Oregon about that. Florida State, hell, ask ask me about that. Um, Michigan, they're in a playoff window right now. There's no guarantee that that playoff window is going to be open next year, 2024, 2025. This is a year where Michigan is a college football playoff caliber team. They need to win this game uh, straight up. Like, they can't lose this game. That's that's my opinion. I, I kind of see the same as Michigan State because uh, is this going to be a down year or is this going to be a really bad year? Yeah. And if they lose this game, that will make them what, 3-5? and 3-5. and five. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't see them beating Illinois or Penn State. I see them pulling off one of those. So I see them beating Indiana and Rutgers and getting to five wins, and then I think they'll be in one of those road games. It's tough because they're – their other all their road games now are against ranked teams. But. Yes, uh, they'll probably beat Rutgers and Indiana, and I think they'll probably yeah. lose. Them. But Michigan State, you know, like they're not in their playoff window right now. Like 2021 was a lot of fun, but Michigan State's still building to what they want to be. Michigan's where they want to be. You know, uh, I, I think the future is bright though for Michigan. I think so. Yeah, I'm. I'm I really like the I'm, staff. I really like this would take them to 20 and 2, I think since where are they right now? 7-0. Yeah, so if they win, they'll be 20 and 2 since the COVID year. Um they're recruiting well. Um I actually wanted to add this. They just got uh, another recruit. Um his name is Bell. Uh and Ryan Bell's brother. Uh yeah, Ronnie Bell's brother. Uh Kenny Kenrick Bell, three-star top 100 athlete. Um, nice. Yeah, but uh, I mean, going into this year, I thought it was a special year. Uh, it was probably yeah. higher than I've been on a Michigan team in the offseason in at least six years, maybe longer. And uh, I do see what you're saying about this being a window. But I also think uh, until I, I just say, like, unless you're Alabama or Georgia, like we're even saying it with Clemson a little bit, like there's really no guarantee that that window stays open for you, even if you are recruiting at a really high level. Sure. And but I also think um We've seen them lose this game and still make the playoffs. So that was against a good Michigan State team. No, this is <laughs> um, a bad we, Michigan we, State team. We've seen team. some teams lose a head scratcher. Yeah, Alabama lost to what an eight and five A and M team. I mean, Mich- yeah, Michigan State lost to Nebraska. Yeah, see, I, I mean, sometimes it's not always who you lose to; it's how many losses you have, right. and, and, who and you it matters beat, when it happens, and you. who you beat too. Yeah, you can lose. I mean. What was my prediction at the beginning of the year? They probably go eleven and one and like somehow beat Ohio State but lose to like someone they shouldn't. Yeah. I mean it might be Illinois. <laughs> a team that's actually good, but at the beginning of the year, I don't know if anyone had a ton of faith in to win double digit wins. Yeah. Um ball. I also had like a quick uh, basketball note. Yeah. If you have any. Okay. Michigan, this is even bigger. It's a four star. Uh Papa Conte, which is one of my favorite names ever now. Um, the Michigan basketball got him. He's a center. He's a four star. Uh, depend- is, that, is that for this class? Uh, Next class. Okay, so 20- they still don't have any twenty three uh, commits. Is he twenty three or twenty four? Twenty three. Oh, okay. So he's. Uh, that's Next. what I meant. So like, obviously, oh, the- I thought you meant like starting twenty two, twenty three, or set. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, that's that's big because that's Michigan's first commit for that cycle. Um, depending on your source, he's anywhere from number 30 to number 96. So he could be anywhere from a French five-star to a French three-star. <laughs> right. He's a lean 6'10 center. Um, some scouting on him. He's a two-way player, and he does the small things right. He's actually a type of uh, player that I think they need. I really want Michigan for the 2023 class to get a lot of two-way players. I think that will really help in the Big Ten. Uh, I see. A, I think one of the reasons the Big Ten, aside from Michigan, has been struggling in the tournament is because there's not enough of those players. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of teams do what they do well, and they can't really do a lot of other things. And uh, the last 10 years at Michigan, it's been kind of nice because even if they're mostly an offensive team, they can play multiple ways. Uh, they were able to play multiple uh, styles of ball. Offensively, and then when Beeline started hiring assistants that uh, really hammered home the importance of defense, then they were really, really flexible. Yeah. So, yep. Quick shout out to the Michigan State women's soccer team. Uh, they're ranked top 10 in the country, and they just secured the Big Ten championship with a win in Columbus. So that's big for uh, the athletic program. Congrats to them. Uh, Adam Nightingale just got his first sweep of his tenure at Michigan State in his third weekend. They swept. Uh, the Long Island Sharks with an 8-4 victory on Saturday night. So congrats to Adam Nightingale on uh, securing his first sweep as Spartan head coach. I would also like to give a shout out to the hockey team. Um, they obviously lost a lot in the last offseason, but they've actually looked really good so far. Yeah, um, I'm really excited to see how they are in Big Ten play. Um, real quick, too, just to get – I'm on to verify everything I said. Yep, first commitment of the 2023 class. Uh, I wanted to make sure I got that right. I thought it, I, he was 2023, but yeah, sometimes I, sometimes when you just skim an article, you're like, oh, okay. I think what's different for Michigan's uh, recruiting class this year in basketball, and when I say this year, I mean 2023, um, you know, when they had that big class with uh, Dickinson and at the time uh, that one guy who ended up going to the G League, like a lot of those guys committed – very early on like they were all uh signed up before the 2020 2021 season tipped off uh same thing with last year's class um i'm, I'm getting the years mixed up but like <laughs> you know like dickinson and those guys were uh coming before the year before tipped off same thing with the the class that was number one with uh you know last year's last year's freshman like they were all committed before the 2020 season tipped off, uh, 2021, whatever way you look at it. <laughs> as, as I know it's confusing when you talk about numbers or say this year, last year, whatever. Um, I think th what's different this year is Michigan's going to be in on a lot of guys who don't make their commitment until after the season is over. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think there's like reason to panic or reason for oh, angst no. they just because there are no commits. Well, now there's a commit, but. I think Michigan's going to be in on a lot of guys who like don't commit until after all the high school all-star games and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. They also have a lot of starters in place and then they have a lot of young guys that uh, are on the bench and they almost can do like hockey shifts. And so it's hard to see a way to the court for some of these guys. Yeah. And that's why I think they should go after kind of specialty players and stuff. And then maybe right. look for, and that's why I guys that uh, maybe, uh, don't have like the best tapes on offense and that blow you away with these dunks, but that do the small things or are two-way players. Um, 
and there's a lot of guys they're going after. They're going after a guy named George Washington the <laughs> Third, which uh, might fight uh, Papa Conte as my favorite new name. Um, but yeah, they're they're in on a lot of guys. I expect it to be a, a top twenty class, maybe even higher. Uh, but yeah, yeah, exactly. There's not an easy path to the court right now, and it's going to be really interesting. I really like their um, uh, both their. Uh, recruiting classes two you two years ago and this past one too, but it also <laughs> means they have a lot of depth. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else to add? Uh, nope. Just uh, go green and pull the rabbit out of the hat if you can, Mel. Yep. Michigan. I want a definitive victory, but I'll take any kind of victory. Um, yeah. Um, there's never really been a, a Michigan-Michigan State game where Michigan State wins, and I'm like – yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> like even if you're uh, favored by 15 points, if you only win by three, you're still happy. You're still like, hey, you know what? Paul's home. Yeah. So like that's that's, that's how rivalry going. games go. Yep. All right, we're out of time. We'll uh we'll have a big episode next week. See ya.